Now, as we approach the start of uh, 2024, how do you feel about the coming year? Do you kind of have exciting plans and opportunities? Or do you kind of dread what the future might hold? Or perhaps you're one of those people who just don't think too much about the future. You're, you're quite laid back and you just try and cope as best as you can with whatever life throws at you. Well, whatever our differing circumstances and temperaments, one thing we all have in common is that none of us knows what will happen in the future and none of us can control what will happen. We make plans, but circumstances beyond our control often overtake them. Actually, we live in an uncertain and a potentially dangerous world. I just did a quick check on the Home Office website to see what the current threat level is in the country. And it is substantial, which according to the website means that a terrorist attack is likely. We live in a dangerous world. We don't know what is going on. But it's not just the threat of war and violence that makes the world dangerous. There are accidents and illnesses. One of the things that comes from being a a pastor is that you're constantly hearing of people facing acute crisis. Uh, Somebody's diagnosed with a serious cancer. Another person has a stroke. Uh, Somebody suddenly loses their job. I heard that just this morning, actually. Uh, There's a breakdown in a key relationship. We live in a in a dangerous, painful world. And even if we're fortunate to get to the end of our lives relatively unscathed, well, we always face the prospect of growing incapacity and eventual death. Now, how we respond to all this depends a lot on our age and temperament. Uh, those who are young may be like C. Frick Sassoon, the First World War a poet, who wrote, at the age of 21, I thought I was indestructible. However, his experiences in the, the, the trenches soon changed that perspective. Some of us are optimists. Uh, we always think that things are going to turn out for the best. We have a sort of kind of a positive <laughs> outlook on life. Others of us may be more pessimistic. We, we constantly fear the worst. By the way, some research was done comparing optimists and pessimists. And it discovered that statistically, optimists outperform pessimists in every category except one. And that was perceiving reality. (laughs) There are lots of things in life to generally worry about, aren't there? But fear in the present... And fear for the future can have a paralyzing effect on our lives. It it corrodes joy and it enslaves. Yet often the only comfort that uh, people have to offer is to put the arm around you and say, I'm sure it will turn out all right. But how do they know it will turn out all right? Well, Psalm 121, which we've sung and uh, just had read to us, provides us with a great answer to fear and uncertainty. For many Christians, psalm, this psalm is an old favourite. And uh, 
Uh, please, so go to, have it open in front of you so you can check up on what I'm uh, saying. We can't be certain about the, the background of the psalm, but most people think that it was originally spoken by faithful Jews as they traveled to the, the temple in Jerusalem for one of the annual festivals. And it takes the form of a conversation. So in the first two verses, one of the pilgrims uh, pipes up, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then in the rest of the psalm, it says someone else chips in and says, you're absolutely right. See, when we go through life with all its trials, that's something, sometimes what we need. We may have some faith in God, but sometimes our faith is weak. And on those occasions, it's good to have someone to remind you that your trust is not misplaced. And that is what I want us to do tonight as we quickly look at this psalm together. And I've just got three headings, and the first is this. Trust the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he rules everything. We live in a dangerous world, and so did the ancient Israelites. In fact, for them, their life was much more precarious. Most of them were farmers dependent on the vagaries of the weather. There was no national health service, and they were vulnerable to attack from bandits. And bandits often hide out in hills and mountains. Anyway, as one of the the pilgrims traveled Jerusalem, he says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Possibly that's where the the, the threat might come from. And then he asked himself a question, where does my help come from? And friends, that is a good question to ask. When the chips are down, when where do you look for help? Where does your help come from? Do you look to your family? Or friends? Or to some sort of professional? Or to your own resources? Perhaps to your money, your, your savings? Those things all have their place, but this pilgrim knew exactly where ultimate help came from. My help comes from the Lord. And you see there, the Lord is in capital letters. And wherever you see Lord in capital letters in, in the Bible, it refers to that special name that God gave his people when he entered into a personal relationship with them. And friends, God has made it possible for anyone today to have, to enter in a personal relationship with, uh, of love and acceptance with him. And that way of friendship has been made possible through Jesus. It's what we've been celebrating this last Christmas. God entering our world in Christ so that we can have that certainty of a relationship with our Creator. So the words of this psalm can be said by anyone who trusts in Jesus. And if you do not yet know Jesus Christ and haven't put your faith in him, I want you to invite you to come and look at where true safety and security can be found. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. In the ancient world, each nation had their own um, uh, God, and those gods were thought to have a power over their particular territory. But the Israelites were different. They knew that the God who had revealed himself to them was the maker of the heaven and earth. He didn't just rule Israel. He ruled the whole universe. He was in complete control. And my dear father was not a practical person. If he changed a light bulb, 
he considered that to be a notable achievement. Unfortunately, I'm not much better. So when the kind of dishwasher or lawnmower packs up, instead of taking the casing off and tinkering around and seeing if I can fix it myself, I tend to kind of reach for the phone. I'm a bit of a kind of hopeless case. Well, imagine that you're all like me, and imagine that you run a company that is dependent on a very expensive and sophisticated bit of kit. And that bit of kit goes wrong. So you call up the engineer to sort it out, but it's too complicated for them. What then do you do? Well, you then contact the manufacturer, the designer. And they say, come on, I need you to come in and sort this out for me. Well, God is the maker of heaven and earth. There is nothing in this universe which he didn't design, and there's nothing in this universe which he cannot fix. His resources are limitless. And friends, it is wonderful to go through life knowing that you're in a personal, loving relationship with the Lord. And that you're able to seek help from the maker of the heaven and earth. And that's the first thing we learn from this psalm. Trust God because the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ rules everything. Second, trust God because he protects each believer. He not only rules everything, in his sovereign power, he's committed to protecting every believer. Look at verse 3. He will not let your foot slip. The last time I went ice skating was an extremely painful experience. It was just like the cartoon. My feet went up in the air and I landed uh, slap on my backside. That is almost the picture the psalmist uses here. He will not let your foot slip. We often talk, don't we, about people standing firm. It's a picture of being secure, unmovable. Well, says the psalmist, that is true of every believer. He will not let your foot slip. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't face painful difficulties in life. Every now and then, I come across somebody who once professed to being a Christian, but then stopped because someone they, they loved died or some other tragedy hit them. And they feel kind of really let down and betrayed by God. And because of that, they stopped believing and trusting in him. If you go to Disneyland, you can get a, a fast track pass, which means that while other people queue... If you've got one of these great passes, you can go right to the front. You don't have to queue like everyone else. And some people, I think, have a naive view that if they're a Christian, then they should have a, almost like a, a fast-track existence. They shouldn't suffer sickness or the financial disasters or the pressures and persecutions that actually we think about, we know, are part and parcel of human experience in this present age. But the Bible never promises that sort of problem-free existence. For instance, listen to what uh, the Lord Jesus Christ says to his disciples. The the words will come up on the the screen uh, as well. You'll be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they'll put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm, 
and you will win life. So at first glance, there appears to be a contradiction there, doesn't it? But the life that Jesus is speaking of is resurrection life. Friends, this world with all its suffering is not God's ultimate purpose for his people. Now, his intention is to bring us into the new creation, where there is no suffering or pain. And the reason that we know that this is a sure and certain hope, and there's no case of a pie in the sky when I die, is because Jesus Christ died and then bodily rose from the grave. So when it says in verse 3, he will not let your foot slip, it's not saying you won't suffer any hardship or you won't be bereaved or you won't lose your job. But it is saying that if my trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ, I will enjoy the life of the world to come. And it does mean that when we go through these trials, God watches over us and sustains us through them. He who watches over you will not slumber. The psalm says, goes on to say, indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. Three times it talks about God watching over his people. The picture here is of a sentry posted on a lookout. And if a soldier is on guard duty, what's the one thing he must never do? Not a rhetorical question. What's the one thing you must never do if you're on guard duty? Fall asleep. You don't fall asleep. Okay? Well, the psalmist imagines that God is on guard duty over every Christian believer. The yous in this psalm are not plural yous, meaning he generally watches over people. No, they are singular yous, meaning he watches over each of his people individually. And unlike military sentries who do a two to three hour shift, God's shift never ends. He never misses anything and he never falls asleep. If you go to Japan and visit a Shinto shrine, you'll see people ringing a large bell before they pray. It's to wake up their God. But there is no need to do that, do that with the one true maker of heaven and earth who has revealed himself in Jesus. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. But we have to admit there are times when it does appear that God is asleep, doesn't he? We pray, and perhaps nothing happens. And in those occasions, God calls us to hope and wait on him, because in his good time, he will answer us. And perhaps you think, well, how can I be sure? How can I be sure that he he does care? How can I be sure that he really exists? And the answer to those doubts lie again in the person of Jesus Christ. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. The Jesus of history who was born in Bethlehem and grew to die on the cross for our sins and who three days later was raised to life. He is the grounds, the rock of our confidence. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ rules everything. He protects each believer. And finally, trust God because he protects his people in every circumstance. If you have a quick look at the end of the psalm, you'll you'll notice that three pairs of opposites are mentioned. 
day and night, coming and going, now and evermore. And together they show that whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, God will watch over and protect his children. The sun will not harm you by day. I think there it's referring to the kind of the unremitting external pressure that doesn't let up. They think of the kind of the hot Mediterranean sun. It's kind of like a never-ending kind of battering ram. Well, even when we're really under the cosh with work pressures or family pressures, God watches over to protect us. Nor the moon by night. It's at night when things are quiet, they're often just left with our own thoughts. And some of the greatest battles people face are within themselves, whether it's with depression or bipolar. Well, whether the attacks upon us are from the outside or from within, God is able to protect his people. The Lord will watch over your coming and going on our way to work or our turn to home in adolescence or retirement. It doesn't matter. God will watch over us, both now and forevermore. There's not an hour in the day or a second in the year when God doesn't watch over those who, through Jesus, have been reconciled to him. And in his good and perfect timing, God will bring them at last to be with him in glory. <coughs> the world is a dangerous place. There's no doubt about it. None of us knows what's uh, coming around the corner. We don't know how things will pan out in 2024, but the person who's put their trust in Jesus Christ knows that God rules over everything. They know that God personally watches over them to protect them and that he guards them whatever their circumstances might be. If you're not a believer, you're a, you've got doubts about this, can I just encourage you to come to this place of safety and security? Do join the, that uh, course in the new year, The Hope Explored. If you're a believer in Jesus, take Psalm 121. Read it tomorrow morning when you wake up. Will you? And remind yourself where your confidence lies. Not just in this coming year, but for the rest of your life. Amen.